Welcome friends, James Corbett here, CorbettReport.com. It is a Thursday, but this is not New World next week. Uh, James Evan Pilato is not here this week, he is taking a much-deserved week off, and as I understand it, there's something to do with hot dogs and fireworks and mouthing platitudes about freedom and independence, but practicing neither going on in the United States this weekend, so... Uh, I'm sure everyone is out enjoying their festivities and not sitting here listening to stuffy old me talking about news and politics. But in case you are, uh, or for non-Americans in the crowd, uh, welcome back. And I just wanted to take this opportunity to provide this news update because there is an interesting, a very interesting news development that I definitely would have talked about if we were doing New World next week this week. And so I didn't want it to pass under the radar or get uh, slipped down the, the memory hole. So let's let's delve into it. Uh, specifically, I'm talking about an article from Boston Globe, which came out uh, June 30th, 2019. And it has a title that for once may actually live up to the clickbait. In an astonishing turn, George Soros and Charles Koch team up to end U.S. forever war policy. I mean, that right there is one hell of a headline, isn't it? And... I think the first thing we should note about this article is that it is penned by Stephen Kinzer. And for those who don't know, or haven't been paying attention, or need to be reminded, Stephen Kinzer is, I'm pretty sure, the only mainstream journalist, at least mainstream enough to be published in the Boston Globe, who has told the truth about what's going on in Syria, and the White Helmets, and the fact they are a propaganda construct. Uh, Stephen Kinzer is one of the very few people who have pointed this out, so... Hats off to Stephen for that, and uh, I'm always interested to hear what he is writing about um, as a result of him being someone in the mainstream who apparently can tell the truth. So let's let's see what he's reporting on this week. Besides being billionaires and spending much of their fortune to promote pet causes, the leftist financier George Soros and the right-wing Koch brothers have little in common. They could be seen as polar opposites. Soros is an old-fashioned New Deal liberal. The Koch brothers are fire-breathing right-wingers who dream of cutting taxes and dismantling government. Now, they found something to agree on. The United States must end its forever war and adopt an entirely new foreign policy. In one of the most remarkable partnerships in modern American political history, Soros and Charles Koch, the more active of the two brothers, are joining to finance a new foreign policy think tank in Washington. It will promote an approach to the world based on diplomacy and restraint, rather than threats, sanctions, and bombing. This is a radical notion in Washington, where every major think tank promotes some variant of neocon militarism or liberal interventionism. Soros and Koch are uniting to revive the fading vision of a peaceable United States. The street cred they bring from both ends of the political spectrum, along with the money they are providing, will make this new think tank an off-pitch voice for statementship amid a Washington chorus that promotes brinksmanship. This is big, said Trita Parsi, former president of the National Iranian American Council and a co-founder of the new think tank. It shows how important ending endless war is if they're willing to put aside their differences and get together on this project. We're going to challenge the basis of American foreign policy in a way that has not been done in at least the last quarter century. Since peaceful foreign policy was a founding principle of the United States, it's appropriate that the name of this think tank harkens back to history. It will be called the Quincy Institute for Responsible Statecraft, an homage to John Quincy Adams, who in a seminal speech on Independence Day in 1821 declared that the United States goes not abroad in search of monsters to destroy. She is the well-wisher to the freedom and independence of all. She is the champion and vindicator only of her own. The Quincy Institute will promote a foreign policy based on that live-and-let-live principle. 
Okay, the article goes on from here and provides much more detail. I hope you will read through it. Um, but, it, of course, it does note that Soros' Open Society Foundation and the Charles Koch Foundation have each provided a half million dollars to fund the takeoff of the Institute. They've raised another $800,000 from uh, other donors, and they're hoping to raise $3.5 million next year, uh, or by next year. Uh, I'm sure they're hoping to raise a lot of things, but will it come and from whom? Those are two open questions. And it does go on to talk about the foreign policy that is apparently going to be advocated by this think tank. And this obviously raises a number of questions, doesn't it? This entire article raises questions. It really is an astonishing turn for George Soros and Charles Koch to be teaming up on any political cause, let alone founding a think tank in Washington dedicated to a peaceable U.S. foreign policy? Question mark? There are question marks all over that question or that sentence. Um, so what what's really going on here? I have a lot of different ideas and, and things that I'm thinking about popping into my head. But one thing that I do want to get to right away is that I think we have to have room, at least a little bit of nuance in our analysis, for the fact that there are different wings of the superclass, as David Rothkopf refers to them. David Rothkopf, Henry Kissinger, Minimi. Uh, this superclass. There are different wings that do advocate for different positions, even on important foreign policy positions. And the neocons, the blustering blowhard neocons, let's go in, invade, 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 we'll, you know, turn it into a glass parking lot neocons, are not the only type of people to infest, the only cockroaches infesting the upper echelons of power. Um, and there are other voices uh, that, that want to do things in a different way. In a sense, if you're thinking of it from the perspective of a ruling, would-be ruling elite, um, perhaps it is actually better to advocate for stepping off the gas pedal a little and not being so ridiculous with the failing forward of invasion after invasion. Um, it, the New World Order will be a lot easier to bring in a step at a time rather than all at once. Anyway... Uh, that's stra strategic thinking, perhaps. But this is this is manifested in such things as what we saw in my recent video on four times the U.S. threatened to stage attacks and blame it on Iran, where we saw, for example, Zbigniew Brzezinski, good old Zbig, back in, I believe it was 2007, testifying to, I believe, the Senate Foreign Relations Committee. I stand to be corrected on that, but it, before a Senate committee, talking about how well, they could stage some sort of attack to, or it, uh, an attack could happen that could be blamed on Iran in order to draw us into war in Iran, and that's bad because that'll draw us into a war with Iraq and Afghanistan and Iran, a full theater war that we can't wage and blah, blah, blah. And I don't think that's necessarily disingenuous. I think people like the Brzezinski's and whatever uh, truly do understand that strategically it is not a good move to go with these neocons into every foreign misadventure. And that might be a reflection of what we're seeing here. That wing of the superclass that believes that uh, the ultimate ends, which are ultimately the same ends, they want to control and rule over the world and its resources. But there are different ways of getting there. One of them, the blustering blowhard neocon way of invasion and, and uh, military might. And then other ways, like the, uh, you know, oh, we'll diplomatically do things through the United Nations and all of that, which uh, rep represents the, the other side of that phony dialectic. So, my guess would be that this is 
that type of split being manifested in this way. It, I mean, it is interesting. It actually opens the Overton window on a side of the discussion that's completely excluded at the moment, which is the idea of non-intervention, which, of course, is seen as isolationist. That's the word they'll use, isolationist foreign policy, because if you don't want to go over and actively kill people on the other side of the world because they're connected to people that you're trying to blame for some attack or something like that, and whatever 17 degrees of separation they use as the fig leaf of justification for their wars of aggression... Uh, if you don't want that, then you're an isolationist, right? Uh, unfortunately, that is a pro uh, response that's been programmed into the general public, which is what you'll see as soon as you dip into the comments section here, of course. And take the comments for what they're worth. Please remember, these are not necessarily real people expressing real opinions. We know that the U.S. military and every other government, presumably, has the software and the capability of creating fake profiles online in order to influence people's opinions. So don't take the comments directly, literally, as this is what the people think. That's a psyop in and of itself. But you get a sense of at least what the different propaganda approaches to something like this are. For example, Flex Patriot. Well, I, for one, am happy to see that the real policymakers in the U.S. have come out and provided a blueprint for how they plan on governing in the next decade. Hopefully the two political parties will sign off on their master's agenda quicker than they normally do. Well, in one sense, yes, I, I very much agree with the underlying sentiment there that the politicians are just the puppets on the stage and the real puppeteers, or at least one rung up the ladder of the financiers who are uh, financing the, the, the or pulling the strings on those puppets, are the people that we should be focusing on and the real masters who are making things happen. I, I don't disagree with that sentiment, as, as I'm sure you know if you watch the corporate report. But what is the ultimate end point of that sentiment. Well, then if these are this is what those stiff string pullers want, and we know we're against the string pullers, then we can't want it, right? So, wait, they're for peace? Well, then I'm against peace, gosh darn it. <laughs> Which sounds ridiculous until you start finding exactly that sentiment down in the, the comments. Um, Another example of big money influencing government, writes Facts and Time, which news you can use, replies with their wrong there. Peace policy ignores our role in making sure another holocaust does not occur. We need to nip these dictators in the bud before killing machines gain full force. So there it is. There's the conditioned response. You're either an isolationist who wants literally Hitler to rule the world, or you're in favor of the ever-expanding, never-ending war of aggression uh, at all places at all times to make sure that nothing bad ever happens in the world, America policemen of the world. Uh, very much a conditioned response. Um, perhaps this comment itself is just a, uh an attempt to condition the people who are reading it. Don't fall for it. Uh, Born Sirius says, I have to agree. Why is a good question to ask. Why is a Koch brother involved? What has changed to make the leopard want new spots? What's in it for him? Is he trying to change his legacy? I haven't trusted him in the past. Why should I now? Fair enough. I don't trust the Kochs and the Soroses of the world, and neither should you. But does that mean we shouldn't trust peace? I mean, okay, we can be skeptical, perhaps, of the think tank, although it would probably behoove us to at least see what work they come out with and what they promote. Um... The Globe's ignoring the only candidate fully on board with this is deafening, Tulsi Gabbard. All right, yeah, fair enough. There, there comes the Tulsi response, which is the people's candidate. You might want to turn back to my recent conversation with Kerry Wedler for the, the problems with that narrative, but 
There it is. There's the alternative. But of course, that's immediately countered by Cordgrass 1. Tulsi Gabbard works for Russia. Any weakening of America's defenses plays into Putin's hands. It's long been known that the Koch brothers and Russia's interests are aligned. Both need fossil fuels to be front and center. But now it's looking like Soros is working with them. Horseshoe theory. The Russian mob controls both sides of the political debate. Wow. So now if you're a leftist or a rightist, if you're for war over peace, or if you're for Soros or Koch or whatever it is, you're controlled by the Russian mob. Again, I like to believe that isn't a real human being that's penning those sentiments, but it very well could be, unfortunately, because the propaganda conditioning runs so deep. But these are the types of responses we're allowed to this. Uh, at least allow me to suggest one of my own. Uh, the tendency, even amongst people who are awake and aware, whatever words you want to use, uh, people who should know better, uh, is to throw the baby out with the bathwater. When they see someone or something connected with something else and they know they don't like that person or that thing, therefore they must not like that thing that they're connected to, no matter how tangential the connection. So if Soros and Coke are for peace, then gosh darn it, I'm against peace. That is a ridiculous response to this. There are many, I think, responses and lots of different things that we can examine, but uh, no, my principled stance, my principled anti-war stance does not depend on whether Soros and Coke are funding a think tank to promote something that they're calling a peaceable foreign policy or not, I, that has nothing to do with my stance that uh, aggressive, aggressive wars of intervention in pursuit of empire around the world are not good things. Um, so I think that's the thing we have to understand. We have to have our principles based on our principled uh, analysis of the world, not on what we think is connected to what. And, and this baby with the bathwater problem is something that I hope people will reflect on because I see it all the time. And it goes back to language as a weapon and what we were looking at with the, the tyranny of words and how if you can just connect a word in the mind of the listener with something else that they know they don't like, then you've sullied the word. You've put the turd in the punch bowl to, to be crass about it. And I've seen it happen over and over again. Oh, Soros and Coke are for peace? Then I hate peace. Or, uh, uh, Libra is a cryptocurrency, then I hate cryptocurrency. <laughs> As if it's all the same. <laughs> so, again, it, the the lack of definition and the lack of understanding about certain words or phrases or concepts or ideas can muddy the waters to the point where we just, we hate it because we know it's associated with that thing. Well, maybe we need to look at the association. So there are lots of different points that this article brings up. I've just touched on a few of them. I'm sure there are many more. I would very much like to hear your responses uh, to this article and the information it's conveying. Please do read through the whole article so you can read more about this think tank. And I will definitely be interested in seeing what it comes out with in the future and what if effect, if any, that has on the political conversation in the United States. I'm not holding my breath for the end of the forever war policy, but we'll see. Will we not? Anyway, that's going to do it for today. Uh, once again, James Corbett, CorbettReport.com. I believe there is a new world next week coming next week, so stay tuned for that, and stay tuned for everything else that's coming out on this channel on a nearly day daily basis, at least a three or four days a week. Uh, and of course, you can always follow the feeds at CorbettReport.com directly, as there are many other things, interviews and articles and other things besides what's posted to this video channel um, that I hope you'll stay tuned to. That's going to do it for today, Corbett 2020 ETC. Talk to you again very shortly.